listeners, and welcome to the second episode of the Roanoke Presents from Print Podcast. I'm your friendly neighborhood editor, Liz Long, and I can't wait to share great stories from and about our region with you. We're excited to dig deeper into the stories you'll read about in our latest issues, interviewing our writers, photographers, sources, and experts. We're diving back into our Jan-Feb issue in this episode, first with writer Mason Adams, as we chat about his feature on Roanoke's iconic skyline. Next, we'll sit down with realtors Hal and Chris Cohn to chat about changes and trends in the local real estate market, as well as their fun videos sharing why Roanoke is such an amazing place to call home. Finally, you can't miss our last segment that's sure to be super fun with the Super Carlin Brothers. They're two of our 40 Under 40 Class of 2023 winners, and we can't wait to share all the good things they're doing for our community through their content creation. So sit back and relax and get ready to love local in this episode. We're so excited today to welcome journalist Mason Adams. Formerly of Goats, Roller Derby, Roanoke Times, and Condors, he's now an independent mountain journalist and co-host of Inside Appalachia, West Virginia public broadcasting storytelling podcast that explores Appalachian economy, food, music, and culture. He's also a longtime Roanoke writer, having covered a variety of features for us. Most recently, an in-depth look at the marijuana movement in Virginia back in our May-June 2022 issue, as well as the 35th anniversary of Falwell v. Flint in Roanoke, as well as incredible profiles on Onsley Ware, a trailblazing politician and Roanoke's first black judge, and Mayor Sherman Lee, a.k.a. The Shermanator, all of which you can read online at theroanoker.com. Hi, Mason. Thanks so much for coming on our show today. Hey, thanks for having me, Liz. Yeah, we're excited to chat with uh, a feature that you did in our Jan-Feb issue, and real quick, I have to give a shout out because this piece on the iconic Roanoke skyline uh, in the issue you're going to see is a shout out to one of my favorite people in the whole world, Anna Morales. She's actually our art director who made all of these custom illustrations seen in the piece. She's incredibly talented and uh, it's so exciting to see her work come to life on the pages. Yeah, it was it was part of my thinking when I when I came to you with that pitch was it would need a really strong visual component. And I feel like Anna knocked it out of the park. Absolutely. Yeah. So thank you. So, uh, you know, you actually came to us about this piece several months ago, and I was curious about, first of all, what was it about the skyline that you wanted to learn about or share with our readers? Uh, I mean, well, I think about um, my stories for the Roanoker tend to be sort of like pop mythology, I think, a lot, which is not like stories that are false, like when we think about myths, but more like um, how we, we take events, people, places, and sort of build them into our collective identity, our our collective um, sort of popular imagination. And so um, I was actually doing a lot of driving back and forth um, this last year, especially in, through on 581 in Roanoke. I was coming out of Floyd and going um, over to Bonsack. So that stretch between Colonial and Orange, I was driving back and forth, back and forth each direction and just seeing the skyline. And you know, I'm middle-aged now, and um, I, I have these memories, and just and, and as a former Roanoke Times reporter, I covered when the skyline sort of changed, started changing again. Um, and part of one of the big overarching stories, I think, was how Roanoke's identity was changing. Like when I first came to work at the paper in 2003, you know, there was th- this idea that I think it was that the Washington Post called us a blue-collar. Gritty, blue, gritty blue collar hub or something like that, and which makes me raise in, an eyebrow now. It's stuck in people's <laughs> crawl, and uh, but like a lot of Roanokers like had this image of like, oh, this place sucks, and I, I'm familiar with that. I grew up in about an hour north of Roanoke, um, but then when I was there uh, covering at covering City Hall, I, you really that was the era when Ed Walker first started redeveloping. Um, his apartment buildings in downtown. Um, and you saw others jump in, Bill Chapman, Lucas Thornton, the Virginia Tech Carillion School was coming together, all these kind of big changes. And so uh, I feel like that, that the skyline started moving and changing. And Dennis Cronk, the commercial realtor, had had said that to me you know, when I was a Roanoke Times reporter about how the city skyline had been pretty static for a while at this point in the early 2000s. But we were seeing the redevelopment of these buildings happen. The Patrick Henry, you know, the Hieronymus building hadn't happened, but it was on the horizon. He said, eventually, you're going to start seeing new construction. And sure enough, not too long, much long later, um, Lucas Thornton put up Gramercy Row, and um, which is very prominent and was part of that um, part of what the changes I could see when I was driving by on 581. Similarly, um, south of the South Jefferson area with that VTC, um, Virginia Tech Carillion School of Medicine, the Research Institute, the Bridges. And I, and I was just like, wow, downtown is changing. And I remember actually when I was the city hall reporter, they had ex- uh, the city council had officially extended the downtown 
area uh, managed by Downtown Roanoke Incorporated um, to incorporate that that Riverside area around Roanoke Memorial Hospital. And I just like every time I drove by, I would look at that and think about it, and think about how those buildings, like, and and the the landscape around us shapes our conception of who we are. Right. It's kind of amazing just to think. I've been here for about. 12 or 13 years now and just how far it's come since then. I mean, it really is amazing. I actually, um, my college roommate is from Roanoke. And so I remember visiting her during our freshman year. So roughly 2004, that's how old I am now. Um, But one of the interesting things was the Taubman was being built and it wasn't complete. It was still very much, you know, under, you know, building, but it was kind of incredible to hear uh, my friend's feedback that the community was giving very diverse opinions on that particular building. (laughs) (laughs) What was your friend's feedback? She loved it. She was, she's an art so she thought it was great and I do too I think it's very um, it's very iconic to me as part of our skyline I think that that piece of modern you know architecture in the middle of everything else is just a really beautiful way to kind of greet the future of Roanoke yeah in some ways I think the Taubman is sort of the linchpin of this piece because you're right it was a new addition to the skyline it was right close to the um, the Dr. Pepper sign and the HNC coffee mm-hmm. sign which are also iconic parts of that skyline and people kind of flipped out when the design first came out and even when the construction of it went up but I feel like the consensus has changed. And I don't know if it's just all the new people coming in that think it's better or that like it or the folks have gotten used to it now. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about, you know, and it's not just about the Taubman from a distance, right? Because I love to go to that top floor and stand on the balcony and you're, you're, you feel like you're right there on the Dr. Pepper sign, right? You're almost those the superheroes that were up there for a long time. <laughs> yeah. And and um, as, 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 uh, as I got into this story and started working with Anna on it, um, it, it you know, it shaped my view of the downtown a bit. You know, when I was a city hall reporter, it was important to me and get out and run. I tried to run in every neighborhood, if not every street, because I think um, one of the things that afflicts Roanoke is it's anywhere. People get stuck in their neighborhoods and they kind of start to develop stereotypes about other parts of town. So as a reporter covering the re- area, it was important to me to put myself in these places, but not just in my car on the ground. So that's what I did in reporting this. I um, spent time running a lot through downtown, going up Jefferson, um, and just slicing and dicing through different ways. And um, yeah, it's it's it's. I hadn't been through the downtown a whole that to that much recently since I've been in Floyd, but it it affected my my writing and. Um, Anna was just a great part of this because as she and I talked back and forth, we decided that the story should follow the illustrations. And I wanted to try to orient it geographically in some way. So we asked like, well, let's go north to south. You start and you hit the you're there at the cathedral. I mean, even before that, you could say down, you know, the Civic Center, I feel like is part of that skyline. Sure, absolutely. Or even Round Hill. But um, but when you get to downtown, it it, it gets more dense. And so we, I wrote the story to kind of walk us through north to south to reflect those illustrations, which I think she did a beautiful oh, job. Oh, they're of. amazing. And it's it's funny because I remember when we first sat down, we were you probably had a different idea in mind, right? And then once we kind of say, here's what we can do, here's within our capabilities and illustrations are a slam dunk for Anna, obviously, um, to make those, to line them up with what you were kind of piecing together was, I don't know, it's just really great to see on the page and, and on the web, you know, and use those everywhere we can. Thank you. And <laughs> I do think you're a point, the last thing I would like to say about the Taubman is, I think that point about perspective is something I really tried to embed in this story. Um, you know, I talked about driving by in 581, but when I talked to Lucas Thornton, he says he tries to imagine it from the person coming in town the first time, getting off of Amtrak, mm-hmm. and what does the city look like to them? Um, and, uh, you know, it also made me think about, um, like, I can remember, like, my own personal memory informs this, right? Because I remember that I remember those new parts the bridges going up, Gramercy Row going up, but I cannot, for the life of me, envision what it was like before urban renewal, before 581. And I, I know in my mind kind of what it generally, but I just don't have the vision to look at that. Right. It's hard to remember. But other people, like like Nancy Agee, Carillion CEO, talked about one of her memories was living with their grandmother in the neighborhood next to Towers when it was just a big field. And mm-hmm. she thought it was the hugest mall. And I have a similar experience. I remember going to Crossroads, which is now not so much a mall anymore. Right. <laughs> but I used to go to the arcade there. Um, and then talking to people um, like Lucas Thornton, that can it feels like they can see into the future. You know, They can look down Jefferson between Community Hospital and 581 and see all those empty parking lots. 
or you know, they're not always empty. There's cars in them, but they're parking lots, and you can see garages and new buildings coming up. And um, you know, it, Lucas made a great remark that I thought was it demonstrated that when he was talking about Gramercy Row, and he was talking about some people's negative reaction to it. Mm-hmm. But he says when the when the maples grow to full size and come in, it's going to be a completely different experience. He really and did see the future. <laughs> yeah, right. He can, and when he's still like looking ten years down yeah. with what the maples are going to look like in, the in next thirty week, years. Like. <laughs> right, and that just it just like boggles my mind. Um, and you know, some people's visions are flawed sometimes, and they think something's going to happen and it doesn't work out. There's, there's definitely been plenty of. Um, failed developments, but man, these this wave of developers we have now developing Roanoke just is is really transforming the city. Absolutely, and I think for folks who are moving here now, this is just the way it's always been. Right, <laughs> and it's, and what's it going to be like thirty years in the future? That's that um, is fascinating to me, and I tried to turn that back to the reader at the end. You know, Nancy Agee talked about when Carillion built the South Pavilion at Roanoke Memorial, they tried to have. They use a lot of glass and have a green tent so it fits in with Mill Mountain, which is interesting. But but more importantly, to have it reflect the community because you do have the railroad, the river, and 581 are all right there, which a, a wise editor once told me, if you want to get around Roanoke, you figure out where the crossings for those three places are and you can get anywhere quick snap. Um, and she, But they're all right there. And she talked about the city will be able to see itself reflected back. I think that's really interesting because you're not just throwing up a building and walking away from it. You're really considering the impact it's going to have on the people that live and work there. Um, and I think that's a really nice thing to just think about from the contractor's perspective and from the builder's perspective, because I don't think we as citizens kind of think about that, you know, um, that, that that sort of thoughtfulness is put into that. It's really interesting. Yeah. And my favorite part of this, and in fact, it factors into my running, too. I was running up Mill Mountain just days before the deadline on this and <clears throat> thinking about how I was going to close the story and like. Like, we're a city that has a mountain in its skyline within the city limits, and you can look down on that skyline. And I remember going up there and seeing all these people gathered at the overlook looking down. And I just, you know, I kind of wondered, like, what each of them thinks, what they were looking at, what their perspective is. Right. And you mentioned the 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 star. We got to talk about the star for a minute. Because that is something that – I'm from Danville, so right down the road, not not terribly far, but far enough that Roanoke was the big city for me growing up. So to have the star, that's such a – that's an incredibly iconic piece of our skyline. It's Im- just absolutely a piece of our culture now. Um, I can't imagine not having it. And of course, the fact is, when you drive in from 581, you see that star. That's when you know you're home. <laughs> What's well, fast? One one of the people I talked to um, for the story, I'm, I'm not going to say whether they were quoted or not or who they were, but asked about the difference between iconography and kitsch. Because if you tried to put up a giant neon star on a mountain today. I don't think it would good work. Mm-hmm. I don't think it work. But it's such a crucial piece of Roanoke's identity now, and people who probably would oppose it now would love it though. Now that it's there, I'm not saying that justifies us doing it, but it is interesting that relationship. Yeah, I just how, can't imagine not seeing that star on. Yeah, you know, right? Whenever I right. drive into town, like, right? I remember Martin Clark in one of his novels. He talks about someone getting out of jail and is one in one of the few spots. The front of the jail is one of the few spots where you can't see that star. Really? In Roanoke. Hmm. I mean, there's there's other places where the sure. buildings are, but that is a place that's shielded where you can't just look up and automatically see it. Interesting. So. Well, speaking of interesting, uh, in all your research and, and people that you were talking to, uh, what was you know one of the most interesting things you learned writing this story? Um, Allison Blanton is an architect here in Roanoke, and she said some really cool things that got me thinking, got my gears going about how, you know, the different parts of the city and when they were built reflect sort of the story of downtown. Like a lot of the earliest buildings were two and three floors. Because if you wanted to take a meeting or come to, you know, there weren't such things as, you know, telephones really hadn't been fully popularized yet. I don't know if that's true or not technically, but there weren't elevators. So if you wanted to talk to someone on the ground floor, you didn't want to be eight or ten floors up Mm -hmm. and having to walk all the stairs. Um, Whereas, you know, they've they've that's changed though since then. Um, But just you know, kind of some of the different things that I really learned were the exactly when stuff was built, looking at some of these maps and realizing like. St. Andrew's Cathedral and the Hotel Roanoke were built pretty close to each other. But look how different that architecture is. Yeah, really different. From each other. <laughs> and so, yeah, just um, thinking about that was interesting to me and and sort of thinking about the way that if you if you if you know how to read the language, I guess if you know if you're an architect, 
you know how to read the language. You can see the stories of the city and how it was built. And that's that's kind of interesting to me. Cool. Well, out of all the uh, all the buildings in the skyline that we're talking about, what's one of your favorites? Uh, you know, I like Center in the Square, partly because mm-hmm. I have kids. And we like going to the museums. We like going to the Pinball Museum. We like going to the Starcade. And the other on museums the as well. The African-American <laughs> Museum's awesome. And we always like going up to that roof, even if we're not doing the Butterfly Garden, just yeah, to, the to view go up there, there and awesome. take a look. It's, it's sort of like the inverse of Mill Mountain in some ways. Yeah, because you're in the city as opposed to looking over it. But I don't know. There's so many other buildings that I like, though. Like, I have personal history, like, with um, the some of the warehouses on Arbemarle. I remember there was a series of shows there before the fire marshal shut them down. And I've only booked a couple of shows ever, but I booked um, a Roanoke Power Violence punk band, a hip hop act, a pop punk band, and an eight bit electronic act on the same bill. And it was <laughs> awesome. And and then it got shut down a few a little, not too later. But I have like memories like that embedded. Or when the tie dye guy was had moved out of Towers, but it, it was in the warehouse there by Elm Avenue. So I don't know. I have that's a lot of those are, are tied up for me as well. Yeah, I even remember as a teenager driving up, we'd come to Salem Civic Center for the uh, the battle the bands who would come up and play. And so you always drive by the Wells Fargo Tower and seeing yes. that gold building glinting in the sunlight as you pass by was always something that I, I can recall like it was yesterday, even though it was 20 years ago. When I first moved back to Roanoke in 2003, I'm not from Roanoke originally, I'm from Clifton Forge, um, but I'd been in North Carolina and was doing a zine um, called There's Nothing to Do Here. And our third issue was the first one entirely produced in Roanoke. And our cover was by a photographer named Kent Moore, who also documented the punk scene. And it was that top being placed on Wells Fargo Tower, I think, or at least it was during the construction I should maybe shouldn't have claimed the top was being placed on it. <laughs> that may be wrong, but it was, it was it was a photo of that construction. And again, here's this punk photographer that took that photo when it was happening. And for him, he can remember that. But I I'm, can vaguely remember before, but it, it's been there since I moved back to Roanoke in 03. So again, it's been part of the landscape for me. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned Center in the Square with your kids, but uh, other things to, that you love to do around the region while we have you here? I, God, yeah, I love this area. I, I'm I'm a outdoor recreationalist. I like to trail run. I like to mountain bike. I love Carvin's Cove. The Appalachian Trail's awesome. Um, I live off right off the Blue Ridge Parkway up in Floyd. So of course I love trekking all along the Blue Ridge Parkway. Um, yeah, and and also uh, the Greenway, which is not part of the skyline, but it's definitely part of the landscape. It's iconic to and me. So I'm there all the time. <laughs> I love. I still like running through different neighborhoods in Roanoke, but it's cool. I like doing loops off of that Greenway and like redip in a little bit and are on that because you get like a cool cross section of people on there as well. Yeah, well, you, it, we encounter them more on foot than you do necessarily in the neighborhoods themselves. Yeah, we stumbled upon Norwich one weekend just because we were walking that direction, and I mean we're in Wasina, we're not that far, but we just never went over over there next thing you know we're like this is such a beautiful section of the greenway why haven't we been over here before so it's always exciting to discover new yeah, spots that's a there. cool that's a cool part of town too it's got some cool history i yeah i just like i don't know the more i, I talk to people about roanoke the more revved up and it cool and i don't know i think the history of it's so cool and it makes i'm still going to continue doing these sort of pop mythos stories for the runner I hope. Oh, well, we can't. We, oh, man, you're not getting away that easy. We can't <laughs> wait. Um, well, thank you so much, Mason, for being our guest on From Print to Podcast. We're so grateful for your hard work on all things local journalism. Please be sure to follow Mason on social media, including Twitter, found at Mason Adams, that's A-T-O-M-S, and read his latest feature on Roanoke's iconic skyline in our Janfeb issue on Newsstands Now or see more at theroanoker.com. Our next segment is sponsored by Halcone Realty. Looking for a real estate team that combines local expertise with Southern hospitality? Look no further than Hal and Chris Cohn at Cone Realty Group in Roanoke. They have years of experience and a deep understanding of the Roanoke market and will work with you every step of the way to buy, sell, or invest in the Roanoke Valley. Visit ConeRealtyGroup.com or call Hal and Chris today and experience the difference of expertise with Southern hospitality. All right, we are back and so happy to welcome real estate agents Hal and Chris Cohn of Cohn Realty Group. Now, you might already know them if you were looking to buy or sell in the Roanoke market, but they're also the Best of Platinum 2021 and Best of Gold 2022 winners for Individual Agent in the Roanoke Magazine Best of Reader Awards. They also have the number one Roanoke YouTube channel at Roanoke Virginia Living. Hi, Hal. Hi, Chris. Thank you so much for coming on today for our second segment. It's our pleasure. Thank you so much for having us. We are so excited about Print to Podcast. I think that this is going to be a tremendous 
tremendous podcast that's going to really bring life to your magazine. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you being here and we're so excited to talk. Um, so just so that listeners know, their videos on YouTube, Instagram and your other social media pages, they showcase even more of the region that uh, you know and love. And I actually love watching your videos on a, on a frequent basis, especially I believe one of the most recent ones was where one of your clients actually made you a sticky toffee pudding. Yes, I'm they so did. I'm so jealous. Yeah, oh. yeah. Well, big shout out to Barry uh, for pulling that together. And I got two within like two mm-hmm. months. Oh, Absolutely. man. Well, you might get more after this podcast. I know, right? But uh, you can send those to Leisure Media on Brambleton. Uh, anyway, so not only do you guys help people get a better understanding of the area to fit their lifestyle, I think that's really important, but you're looking at certain costs and market values and things like that, which we're going to get into in just a second. Um, it's such a fun way to discover fun things that you didn't know about Roanoke through your help. And of course, getting to know this powerful real estate couple doing great things for the Valley is something I can't wait to talk about. So, First up, let's talk about what makes Roanoke such a special place to live and why you believe it's a desirable location. Yeah, I think that's a a great question. Everybody comes here for a different reason, whether it's a job transfer or perhaps they want to retire here or raise kids. In our case, we moved back 11 years ago so we could raise our family here by my family. I grew up in the Wasina area. But There seems to be a trend of people that we help from across the nation and now across the world Mm -hmm. that they're flocking to this area because of there's some themes that are coming out. We've got the cost of living, outdoor activities, for sure. And then also there's um, the four seasons. You'd be surprised how many people want those four seasons. They're either tired of the extreme heat or they're buried in snow. <laughs> That's true. Because as much as I feel like I love summer and then I'm, you know, in the middle of summer, I'm like, I'm ready for winter. And then you get to winter and you're like, I just want a little bit of summer. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I think we just said that yesterday morning, actually. We were like, ah, oh, okay, we have a little bit of heat right now? <laughs> we did. Another thing that uh, people come to and, and are really excited about is the hospitality. We truly have Southern hospitality right here and i'm I'm proud of that yeah i think we've had multiple clients that have come and visited uh from other states they come to roanoke checking it out uh and through the process they're like the people here are so nice and friendly it's like Mm -hmm. we went to the restaurant and they're like thank you sugar or honey or whatever and then they're like people don't um they don't actually honk their horn at you whenever they're trying to get in front of you it's like they actually are nice drivers too we're like yeah we kind of feel that I think that's cool because so actually, and you'll read about this in the Jan Feb issue right now um, with 40 Under 40, the majority of those responses about why the young professionals love living here was community. And so mm. I feel that that's mm. definitely a value of hospitality, especially here in the South. But, right. you know, down here in Roanoke, it's particularly special. <laughs> <laughs> and so as far as like attracting potential buyers from out of state, we, you know, you mentioned something earlier before we started the podcast about a Goldilocks state. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of curious about what this is. Yeah, it was it was just this interesting uh, theme that kind of came up through our conversations with clients that we kept hearing over and over again. It's not too big. It's not too small. And it's not just population. It's not just being a mid-sized community that makes it that just right state. It's everything. You know, we have arts and culture, a tremendous music scene. We also have diversity that you just don't find in some of the smaller areas. And then everything from traffic to weather, anything I'm missing? Well, no, I mean, I, I feel like also like as we were, you know, creating our uh, actual YouTube channel to be ambassadors for the Roanoke Valley, right? It's so easy to talk about the greatness and Mm -hmm. the goodness here. And we have other folks that we've followed throughout the country that have done kind of the same thing with their YouTube channels. And they're like, you got to tell the negative. You got to tell the negative. And for us, it's like, there is some negative, but it's like very small in comparison to Mm -hmm. a lot of other places. So for us, it's like, we're always positive. We're telling about the good things. And it's like, that's kind of like just what we see every day, right? So yeah, it truly is. It, this is a special place. So the Goldilocks thing is that it's just right. right for a lot of people. I agree. So and we've mentioned this before to listeners. I'm from down the road in Danville. This was the big city to me growing up. And then after graduation, I lived in Nashville, Tennessee for oh. a while, which was great. But 
too big. It was just too big for Goldilocks over here on this side of the table. Uh So it turns out Roanoke was exactly the right place I wanted Mm. to be. It's so perfect. I can't wait to steal that phrase from you and (laughs) use it. You are welcome to it. Yep, We have not trademarked it yet, but maybe we should think about that. (laughs) Perfect. So, you know, talking about um, all the things that you do as far as, you know, your careers, I was wondering if you could speak to the availability and variety of housing options here in Roanoke. You you know, we talk about historic homes and new construction. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's really interesting depending on what you really want to live in. Right. Yeah. And and I think we're going to let Chris take this one because this is like one of her passions, really, as far as like design and that type of thing, because we do have a and we're a lot different than on other spots in the country as far as real estate mm-hmm. goes. Right. It's like we had people come in this past weekend and they were like they were looking for new construction for the most part. And it's like, oh, you've got a lot of old houses. We're like, yeah, I mean, we're, we're an older town. We've mm-hmm. got older houses, that type of thing. So you're, you've got some new construction, but not a ton. Right. But that kind of feeds into what she's doing each and every week right now, as far as bringing that to people's attention. Yeah, I think it's interesting. We have the luxury of variety. We do have our traditional homes that you're going to find in, um, say, the Grandin Village area. And then we have those gorgeous Queen Anne Victorians, larger historic homes in Old Southwest and in certain pockets. And then we have those little... um, really distinct areas that you're going to find contemporaries and mid-century moderns that are going to get snatched up really quick. (laughs) Yeah, because you don't have a ton of them. So it's like people are like, oh, I see that. I'm going to pay extra high dollars for it and I want it fast. Sure. Right. But people moving from perhaps more metropolitan areas are looking for those subdivisions that are more traditional. We don't have a lot of those, but we do have some. But what I like is, you know, you have that luxury, like I said, of being able to kind of choose your style here. Now, availability, you can talk to in a minute. But uh, each week, I just started a segment on my favorite house of the week. So you can tune in on Instagram to see that and follow that. But it is so fun to be able to see a house from a realtor's perspective, from an expert's opinion, and just go in and see the interior and exterior. And what we're kind of looking for is we help guide our clients. But the architecture is so fun. I just finished doing a lake house in Smith Mountain Lake. It was gorgeous. And it was so gorgeous. She's calling me and like, hey, we got to figure out a way to how to buy this house. <laughs> we're going to move here. Sorry. And I'm like, what? I'm like, okay. I never thought you were going to want to live at the lake. But I, I mean, it's so beautiful. With I views can see like why. that, you might be all right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> lake views on three sides. Three oh, sides. my gosh. This was a diamond in the rough. Yes. I'm telling you. It's under contract. But I know. But not by us. <laughs> so. But nonetheless, so lake house. And then, uh, you know, I did a Queen Anne in Salem. And then a uh, mid-century modern in North Roanoke. So just the variety of architecture, really trying to enhance that and show people people that there are a lot of choices that you can have here in Roanoke. That's been a lot of fun. Do you feel, before we get into availability, do you feel that a lot of that is indicative of the neighborhoods? Or So I live in Wasina. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Wasina. Yes. <laughs> yeah, sure. um, and so, you know, our house was built in 31, so obviously it's a little bit older, but it also has this weird sort of, the layout gives it a more modern touch when we're able to design mm. it that way. But it feels like that's sort of a good representation of the Wasina neighborhood. Yes. And so you're talking about Queen Anne homes. I mean, do you feel that those are pretty prevalent in that neighborhood, or is it a, a mix you know anybody can live anywhere and find the right house for them yeah no i think that's a great question actually um i was just going through the history of roanoke subdivisions with one of our clients who's really interested in history with beth and we just we were learning about how the lots were traditionally planned and the sidewalks and everything so i think you do have some style different styles sprinkled in but for the most part each neighborhood does have a style of its own where you're going to find kind of the same uh houses that are similar in style. I grew up in a four square in, in Wasina. So yeah, that's you interesting. You sure did. And then, and then we were looking for a contemporary when we bought our house five years ago and we ended up in a 1905 Victorian. So. Well, so my, my husband's a history professor or a history teacher. So obviously he's looking for character in the yes. old school style. Right. You know, I'm looking for modern and clean, sort of minimalistic. <laughs> yes. And we found it in Wasina and it matched both yeah. of our styles. And we're very lucky that's that we had yeah. that available to us at the time. That is lucky. Yeah. And, and you see that a lot, I think, in the Wasina Grand in those areas where people are taking some of the ones that are not in the best of shape right mm-hmm. now and and they're refurbishing those to keep some of the charm and character mm-hmm. but then also bringing it up to modern standards or expectations based on what everybody sees on HGTV nowadays right, right? <laughs> yeah. so uh, so from that perspective i think you know that's some great opportunities in throughout the Roanoke Valley on that front. Absolutely. Sounds like Chris is well on our way to getting her own HGTV channel with her favorite house of the week. Oh, that would so. be fun. <laughs> I think we have plenty supply here, but talking about availability, mm-hmm. yeah. That's where you have to get flexible and, and people really are, we're helping our clients navigate through that. 
Yeah. So, you know, people all, and I think this goes back to one of the things we talked about earlier as well as the fact that, you know, people will say they want X, Y, or Z. <laughs> However, they show up to a house and within 15 seconds are like, no, I, I can't really stand this one necessarily. Sure. So it's like sometimes we'll, and I think to kind of pull that back in from an availability perspective right now, we are at tremendously low numbers of supply and tons of demand. So it's like, I was just doing a market update. Uh, and when I did that, I was looking at what's available right now. And there's like 600 and something houses available in like all seven counties as far as residential. Uh, like uh, just three years ago, there were like 2000 active at the time. So I mean, our supply is so low right now that you have to be a little bit more creative and accepting of like, hey, I'm looking for this, but I may have to settle for this. And you're going to get like 80 to 85 percent of what you're looking for mm -hmm. uh, to be uh, to be happy and content and just love your home. Well, and you had mentioned, I think that that's a great point that Chris made that ties into this. You have to see the potential of this house, mm. particularly in terms of the client, what you know that their expectations or hopes are in a lot right. of cases. So you really get to see, okay, they may not see the magic in this, but we totally do. And I think that's sort of the magic of your job, right? Like you're finding homes for people who really don't see it yet. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's funny because like we were talking about the, um, about Shannon and Dixie, right? Yeah. Like whenever they were looking at houses, they came into the office and they said, Hey, we want, uh, we want more of colonial. We want updated. We want this, we want that. And, uh, as we're showing them properties, they end up going into this ranch over a basement and she's like, this is the one, this is the house we're going to buy. And so before she even put that offer in, before they did that, I was like, Okay. I was like, are you sure? Because you said, wanted anything but a ranch. Yes. <laughs> anything but a ranch. And I'm like, are you sure? I was like, this is a big investment. Are you sure? I asked them like 10 times. They said yes. And so we were able to, uh, we we're able to win out in a competitive offer situation mm -hmm. and get them the house. And then they actually sold it like two years later and made a good profit. So that was exciting. But her whole thing was, she's like, I felt like I was at my grandma's house yes. when she walked in. Oh, and that's, feels like a home, of I course. Know. Oh my yeah. gosh. Ugh. And that, that is fun to see the energy. And like you said, you could tell pretty quickly whether the clients like it or not. Mm -hmm. But when that one, just like your wedding dress, if yeah. you've had that experience, yeah. it truly is an expression that comes over their face mm -hmm. and they straighten their posture and they are ready. You can just tell that's the house. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. So, um, you know, we're talking about dates and trends is a big topic right now. I mean, as far as availability, you've mentioned something two years ago, the you know, things that you used to do, things that you used to have are not necessarily what you use or have now. And so we were talking, how do you stay up to date on the Roanoke market that's constantly changing? I mean, <laughs> trends and changes, how do you keep track of all Let's of that? Let's just say the struggle's real. <laughs> <laughs> it's a matter of studying it each and every day. So for us, you know, it's like we're in the multiple listing service, which, you know, if, if a realtor puts a listing into the multiple listing service. It goes to Zillow, it goes to Realtor, it goes to all those places. So that's all stuff that the public can see. Uh, however, we can actually run statistics and numbers and see all the the real data from like trends from year over year. So we actually dig into the multiple listing service like each and every day. Uh, I do a weekly market update, which comes out on Mondays on our Instagram channel and also goes to YouTube Shorts. Uh, so we do that as well to keep people updated. But then the one thing that's been really helpful for us over the last two years especially because of all the craziness with covid and shortages of supply with houses and that type of thing is you know we're plugged into a daily mastermind on clubhouse for an hour or two hours every day we're listening to that and having conversations with realtors two or three hundred realtors every day throughout the country so we can kind of get a feel for what's happening in other areas because we're kind of insulated a lot of times mm -hmm. in roanoke it's like Things take a while to get here before they impact us. That helps us stay kind of ahead of the curve and the trend. And then every Monday, our group that we're part of, the tribal agency group, we're like, every Monday we're talking about things as well. And they're from all over the country as well. So uh, I think what we do is we plug in through social uh, we plug in through, um, you know, just our stats here in the Roanoke Valley, just being cognizant and wanting to make sure that we can help our clients navigate the process, right? Because people don't buy and sell a house every single day. Mm -hmm. That's something that we do every single day. And we want to be the best resource that we can possibly be so that they make an educated and informed decision because it is so important. And it's such a um, financial uh, impact for them that, mm -hmm. hey, we want to make sure that you've got all the data you need to make an informed and conscious decision. 
That is such a good line. I mean, I bought my house 13 years ago. I would not remember the first thing to do besides call you guys tomorrow if I had to sell my house, right? Right, right. yes. Yeah, I definitely need that. Um, and so you actually, that's a good point. Uh, talking about technology in your business, because you mentioned social media being such a, mm-hmm. maybe not critical, but critical factor in communication and getting information to your clients. I think it's interesting you share a weekly you know, basis of information to them so yeah. that they have that available. Um, so just curious about how it's this technology, this new, you know, the new mm-hmm. approaches that you're taking. How does that impact the way that you do business here in Roanoke? That's a great question. I think everybody across the country has had to pivot or, you know, flounder, really. So pivoting with the new technology, just that COVID has brought alone, it's been wonderful. I mean, Zoom, making these connections that way alone has been has been fantastic. Putting face with a name, understanding people that way, our social media presence, and giving the consumer an opportunity to even meet us and get to know us and even find out about the Valley without spending too much money coming here first. Yeah, I can't tell you how many people have said, um, your videos have been so helpful for us to understand it because Otherwise, we'd go in blind, but we want to, our goal is to be there, eyes and ears and boots on the ground, not only with housing, but, you know, what activities are going on and, and our many attractions. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so technology in that way, it helps the consumer, but it helps us too. I think it's been, it's been wonderful. And I think it, it's really brought on this higher level of acceptance uh, across the whole field, you know, like. You have to be on board with technology to some degree. We still make a lot of traditional phone calls. We meet people face-to-face because there's nothing that beats face-to-face interaction. But yeah, technology has certainly been been an aid in our business. Yeah, I was thinking about, as you were saying that, like phone call, text, email, uh, social media, direct messages, you know, comments on YouTube, you name it. We we. We cover the gamut on that front, and we kind of have to. And we feel like we're at a good age and stage because of the fact that we're totally okay with the technology that mm-hmm. needs to be a part of our day-to-day interactions with our clients. And we always ask them, like, what's the best way for us to get in touch with you? What's the communication style you prefer, right? Is it a phone call? Is it a text message? Is it a um, video text? Because we do a lot of video text as well. Yeah. Uh, but uh, like she said, during COVID, it's like I think people have come to the uh, acceptance more the fact that, hey, this is how we're going to do business is like through Zoom and through technology. And uh, it makes it uh, it makes it a little bit more convenient at times. And uh, I love what she said as far as the fact that people can get to know us ahead of time. And mm-hmm. so, you know, they can check us out on, you know, all of our social platforms to, to see if, uh, you know, we're actually somebody that we that resonate with and they feel like we're actually going to take well, great a, care that's of That's the thing. Like, you have to work with someone that you like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a, a relationship. <laughs> One of the most important choices you make. Amen. Yes. Amen. <laughs> and uh, because it's an emotional process. So you've got to know right off if it's going to be a good fit or not. And that our YouTube channel or social media gives people that experience and we're not going to resonate with everybody and that's fine you know every there's so many realtors great realtors out here but every once in a while we get a few clients from that and that's fantastic because we love to help them although i will say hold your thought but our our kids are absolutely mortified that we're on TikTok now. We just got into TikTok. They're like, oh. No, we're not doing the, the, the fancy dances or anything on TikTok. Oh, no. Not yet. Not yet, at least. It's only a matter of time. That's right. <laughs> I can't well, dance. Well, so short of smoke signals, people can really reach you. I like that you're very approachable across uh, whatever, and especially for whatever method works best for that person, right. I think is incredibly important for somebody who, you know, maybe they work all day and can't get to the phone call, but they can certainly answer the text message first mm-hmm. chance they get. I think yeah, that's awesome. And we always tell folks too it's like if you need us urgently send us a text message and, and we'll get back to you faster because right. we made an appointment that type of thing so yeah we'll, we'll do what it takes to, to make sure you're well taken care of yeah absolutely <laughs> and and you also made a good point you know you're talking to people from out of town and it feels to me like it would be so much easier to be able to schedule that zoom and talk to them because now they don't have to travel to to see you know to meet right. you guys or to see that house that you're standing outside of if you mm-hmm. really needed to arrange that i mean that's really cool well that, and you just said something there about seeing a house so we had multiple people last year right that bought a house here in the roanoke valley where we did video tours we uploaded those they got to check them out and then we actually were able to get them under contract they didn't see the house some of people didn't see it until they closed others didn't see it until they showed up for their home inspection like five or six days later which it. is just baffling we got new neighbors who did something yeah. similar i was like oh hey all right you live here already great nice to see you <laughs> yes. hope you love it right <laughs>
Yeah. Right. So, so technology changed that, right? Because, I mean, who would ever thought about that two or three mm-hmm. years ago? Get like, it. oh, yeah, I'm going to buy a house just through video tours. But it's just wild that that has happened. And that's just kind of where we are now when it comes to real yeah. estate and in general. Well, personally, mm-hmm. as someone who watches a lot of HGTV, I just like looking through the video tours yes. to <laughs> pretend that I live there and like where my couch would go. So there's that, too. <laughs> Definitely. Yes. I enjoy that very Perfect. much. So final question. We were talking about all the things to do in the Roanoke region. And so I was curious about so any of your favorite cultural or community events or attractions that make it such a unique place to call home? Oh, this is a loaded question. <laughs> There's I mean, so much to do. I know. I, know. I know. I mean, y'all are the experts here. But um, I, I, what I love is what other city has a hundred foot tall star right? on top of a mountain <laughs> in the middle of the city? That you could actually bike and hike up to, or you could even take the Blue Way Trail into and then hike or then bike. Hike. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't think about that, right? Yes. I, mean, I, I just, I love Roanoke. I was born and raised here. I couldn't wait to come back after Asheville and Atlanta. But um, I think GoFest is certainly putting mm-hmm. us on the map. And as long as we really work on our outdoor amenities and plan um, wisely and not exploit them, I think that's going to be a wonderful attraction for this area. Local colors. Yeah, local colors uh, festival where mm-hmm. you can see all things like uh, different uh, nationalities, ethnicities, mm-hmm. etc. We were dri- we were driving back through Williamson Road this morning uh, after taking the kids to school, and in the process, I was like, "Oh, we've got an Afghan market now," which I was like, "Holy cow! I hadn't seen that." You got Asian food, you got mm-hmm. you name it, you can get any type of food here that you could even think of mm-hmm. when it comes to that, at least. But the uh, you know to learn about those other ethnicities and cultures, uh, you got that festival and then i was thinking about like our clients we've had multiple that say hey i'm moving here to roanoke because i am a mountain biker aficionado and enthusiast right so well um, yeah even our clients ben and um emily yeah and emily and also genesis and david David. (laughs) they moved here specifically for mountain biking wow it just if that blows my mind yeah from boise so they moved from boise to here right uh, in order to be in the mecca of the east coast for mountain biking right and and that's awesome but but even like dickens it, it just feels like our town almost provides this hallmark quality and hallmark movie quality yeah uh, when it snows or when we have a festival, which is all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't discount all the music and festivals. What I love, too, is I could talk about this all day. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like that it's not just in one centralized location. We're not just talking totally. about downtown. Mm-hmm. It's all over, dispersed from Smith Mountain Lake Wine Festival to Alpendaleville, where they have their their big festivals in farmer's markets. So mm-hmm. it's wonderful. I love it. <laughs> Oh, and we have sports. Don't forget about sports, too, right? Sure, sure. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. That was such a wonderful wealth of information. I, like, need to go look through all your videos and see where my couch is going and all that stuff. Um, And then, you know, maybe think about where to eat because you guys are talking about restaurants on your pages, too. And, of course, that's, you know, always a win. So you can't go wrong with any of that. I'm the the foodie, per se. I like to eat. So if there's good food to be found, I'm going to find it. Perfect. So you guys send your recommendations to Hal and, of course, along with the Sticky Talk coffee puddings you'll be making him after (laughs) listening to this Um, so thank you again for being on here it is so cool to talk to you guys and learn about the great things that you're doing you're bringing people good people to our region and that's so exciting it's such a good important part of building our community into what it is and make it even stronger thank you so much for being our guests on from print to podcast and for sharing all the amazing things that you're doing and for helping with our real estate questions and needs (laughs) absolutely it's our pleasure we're blessed and grateful thank you very much thank you (laughs) be sure to follow hal and chris Cohn on their social media pages including youtube and Instagram and now TikTok at Cone Realty Group and learn more about their business and see homes listings and more at conerealtygroup.com. Thanks again to our segment sponsor, Hal Cone Realty. Learn more about Hal and Chris Cone, the local real estate market and more at conerealtygroup.com. All right, listeners, forgive me if I use super a lot throughout this segment, because it's not even a play on words with our guest. I'm just so excited to welcome the Super Carlin Brothers on From Print Podcast. They might be internet famous as content creators with over 2 million subscribers and 600 million views on YouTube. They also have their own popcorn culture podcast with almost 3 million downloads. However, they're also Roanoke famous as small business owners who strive in giving back to our local community. Benjamin and Jonathan, aka Ben and Jay Carlin, were featured as winners in our 40 Under 40 class of 2020. 
2023, which you can now read in our JanFeb issue on newsstands now or see more at theronoker.com. Hi, Ben. Hi, Jay. Thanks so much for coming onto our show today. Hey. hey awesome. we're, yeah. Thanks for having us. This is really exciting. I feel like we got real professionals in here. No, I don't oh know about God. that. Yeah, whatever. But <laughs> no, we're, we're, we're super excited. I feel like, yeah, we're we're like Roanoke kind of born and raised. And uh, like our, our dad was like on the cover of the Roanoker magazine when we were kids. So right. Like, yeah. For us, oh this was always like, I, I think we were even in a photo shoot for that. I think we were on the. I think we were inside that one. You were yeah. actually. I had to go back through some archives a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, there's John Carlin looking <laughs> so young," and he's like, "Your your guys' age, like on that cover." So. Oh, I know. Yeah, he, I think he was there part, for yeah. being voted sexiest man in Roanoke. Probably. So it was yeah. Like, yeah. It was like, wait, well, this is a weird one. <laughs> outstanding. Yeah. Outstanding. We don't so. we don't do that category anymore. <laughs> but he should win every year for sure. There you go. Um, so actually, you know, you can read a lot about um, what they do for the community in the Janfeb issue of the Roanoker, but a really want to hear it from you guys. So how about you tell our listeners a little bit about yourselves, including why the particular path of content creation that you guys chose? Oh, man, it goes back a very long ways. And <laughs> I don't even think we could have guessed we would have landed where we are now. Like, uh, we, we always joke that if we started the channel today, there's no way we'd call it Super Carlin Brothers. <laughs> like, it'd be like, you know, movie theory or something or right. yeah, you know, like something like that. But um, like way back when I was in uh, college, I uh, realized it was about my junior year that I was like watching more YouTube than I was like regular TV. And I was like, oh, man, uh, this is this is interesting. This is the like shift in my viewership habits. And then after a while, I realized like most of the people I'm watching are just like sitting in their bedroom room with a camera because this was like very early days right, of YouTube right. like people weren't really doing it and I was like I'm studying communication <laughs> I could do I think I could do it I think I could do it so I started I uh that was I started making videos just out of my bedroom in college um that kind, was of, a, kind of to the shock and all I think to the rest of yeah. like the family and our friend group entirely like why it was, are you shy are you like well I think quiet? I think that it was like it was always something like I really like wanted to do but like anytime I tried to get like anyone even remotely in the realm of like doing stuff on camera or, like trying to like perform in any way it was like no nah, nah. <laughs> yeah and it was like a anybody like, who's right, heard fine. their voice on microphone they're like oh I hate the way my voice sounds yeah okay, guilty like, guilty after yeah. <laughs> absolutely hear myself already yeah 100% <laughs> a thing I had enough shared interest with the rest of my friends that it was never really a problem but like left it completely my own devices in college I was like I'm gonna go for it um, so I did that that was a completely separate channel that's not really active anymore but uh, it was like my first foray into YouTube you gotta then, start somewhere uh, yeah I gotta start somewhere so did that graduated I got up to, I think I had like 900 subscribers or something on that channel which was you know I, at the time I was like so so proud of pretty impressive that's early like Facebook days too so yeah yeah <laughs> that's where I was marketing it all it was like, that was like how I, uh, I remember my first interview for like my first real job like everything I said was just like how I grew my YouTube channel and like this is amazing. Um, <laughs> you're what we need. You're what we want. Um, so, but anyway, yeah, I graduated. I got like a real job. I had to stop doing YouTube for a while. But then, like, uh, I, I, I felt like maybe, maybe I'll start again. I'll have like a fresh start. I have a, a little experience behind me. I know more what to do this time. Um, and at the time, I was a really big fan. Well, still am, but I was a big fan of uh, the Vlog Brothers, John and Hank Green. And they had done this project where they had this like year long conversation back and forth um, with each other on YouTube. And I was like, I have a brother, and he's like. <laughs> <laughs> way funnier than me so i'll just get ben to do it with me and it's a slam dunk it can't miss um so i asked ben if he wanted to do it and i had the name super carlin brothers and ben i'm not sure really super wanted to do it but um yeah not 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 even really at all like i was <laughs> i was on the complete opposite end of the spectrum like the the youtube videos that i was watching were like you know how to fix your furnace sure. like i was not watching youtube for entertainment how i was brown watching butter it. is usually my search engine topic. right yeah, yeah right yeah yeah it's like i was trying to like just like learn how to like fix things or or whatever but like i was never using youtube for entertainment purposes and so like when when i agreed to do it like and this is this is sort of like the origin story of the channel it was kind of like from my end of things it was like i needed a roommate like i wanted to not move back in with mom and dad upon <laughs> graduating college uh jay was like in a position to move out of the house and it was like well we could be roommates and maybe as part of that like i'll do this channel for a year and it'll be fine it'll be a commitment but like at least it'll mean that we're 
that we're living on our own. Right. We're, we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I remember I sat down. I mean, the first time I ever opened video editing software was the day I shot my first video. Holy and cow. It was like, yeah. yeah, here we here we go. Yeah. And it's, I mean, not to say that's not a brag because it's bad. <laughs> it's, it's real bad. But you might as um, well rip the bandit off, right? Like know, you got to yeah. get exactly. in it. You don't know what you don't know. So it's time to learn. <laughs> right. It was like seven hours of editing, like a two and a half minute video with absolutely like no real cuts edits. That's how long it takes me to do Instagram reels. <laughs> it, oh my gosh, I know. Yeah, it's, it's so difficult. It's so, so frustrating. So anyway, yeah, that's that's really how I kind of got like roped into the equation. And I mean, at that point in time, like to say that like I couldn't have even imagined where it would be today mm-hmm. is, I mean, it, it's the absolute truth. Like I, I, on the wildest dreams, it was not. Yeah, we're not talking tens of thousands. We're talking millions here. I mean, you're talking about an international audience who is, again, they're hearing the great content that you're creating in entertainment and media, but they're also hearing about Roanoke, which is really key here because obviously you're bringing people to our community, uh, you know, both citizens and, you know, visitors alike. And so you're really showcasing them a a sweet side of Roanoke that they might not know otherwise unless they saw content creation. Yeah, and and that's been a huge thing for us too. I mean, like we've we've brought it up a lot, uh, even last, year's like go fest for example we were doing like a live episode of our of our podcast popcorn culture and we basically just put the bat signal out and we were like if you guys want to come and see a like completely free episode of our show live in person it's a great way to come out and like we had our um our coffee company set up like a booth while we were there so like people could come and like try out the coffee for the first time go and explore roanoke and of course see this live show and we ended up having like 230 people come out from all over the country from puerto rico like it was amazing to see like that people wanted to, they wanted to see all these places we, we've been talking about right, for years Because you now. pointed it out, you highlighted it, and now yeah. you're like people they look up to. And <laughs> I know, know that I know. you're a perfect person for advice on that. Like, right. that's awesome. Yes, yeah, like when you have somebody come in and they're like, yeah, we're from Oklahoma, we just checked out Blue Cow, you're right, it's the best. And I'm it's like, like no. it is the best. Like, <laughs> yeah, I told you, geez. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really, really cool and very exciting to get to like have everybody kind of converge on the area. Like, yeah. yeah. And so we're actually, uh, just so listeners know, we are doing a bonus bonus spinoff episode with the Super Carlin Brothers here yes. momentarily. But And we'll get a little bit more into this. But one of the things that I find really interesting, particularly because I know you guys on the local level, you're working with major, major brands. You're working with Disney and Marvel and EA Games. And <laughs> oh, my gosh, like, how does that even without getting too far into it? Because I want to save the good stuff for the bonus. But sure. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> I mean, those those are the emails that you get, like, you know, from like the, the various like talent people that we work with. And like they they lead, you know, with the NDA, like they're like, there's a brand that you want to work with. <coughs> Wink. Can you sign this paper so we can tell you about it? You know, and then and then, you know, like you get past those pages of, you know, like the legalese and everything. And you're like, no way we are working like with like Lucasfilm is on the header. Of, oh, right. Yeah. Know, this, How do you not this... like the little kid in you must just be like. Oh, 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 I know. God. There was um, probably one of the craziest ones we went on was we got uh, approached by Google Arts and Culture, mm-hmm. which is like, I, uh, and they were working with uh, Pottermore, which uh, which is a website that's, you know, it's like the Harry, it was the main Harry Potter website. Now it's called Wizarding World. But mm-hmm. um, they were doing a collaboration with the British uh, Library. Yep. Yeah. Where they had this like giant um, history of magic display. And they like, I guess uh, all three of those, like all three of those circles, like, like connected and at the very center of it was us and it's like the people they wanted to like host whatever videos they were making and it was like oh my gosh really and they like flew us out to london and we got this like behind the scenes tour at the museum oh my god the and we got to like so i know we got to like, i know yeah we, <laughs> we're, like, we're, we're just like flipping <laughs> out like we, we you know we were allowed to like have our cameras out and stuff like that and you could tell that these people like you know from like the production company they were like oh we found the right people like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we walked out it's called the ridley scroll yeah, is like Ripley scroll. the Ripley scroll yeah. rather uh, is like the original like document that like showcased how the Philosopher's Stone was supposed to be created. Like, I can't oh, see my like, face, but my jaw just dropped. I know, yeah, yeah like like a real thing. Like yeah. this is not like a like a like a creation of the Wizarding World. It's like twenty three feet long. Yes, yeah. and so Gosh. like I mean, we're just drooling. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, no, this is awesome. Um, so just some absolutely like unbelievable opportunities that have cropped up over the years, and it's I mean to to get to be involved with them for for us and again being from you know here in Roanoke it's like 
it's it's just unreal. It's like we've we found ourselves like behind the scenes, you know, at Disney World. We've been on a film set in LA. You know, we've flown to London. Like, yep. there's been some some really remarkable opportunities, and we're just every every single year that goes by, we're like, has the coolest thing happened? Like, yeah. is, is there yeah, more? Have we peaked? Is it too much? I know. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, last year we got invited to Disney World to like preview the like the Star Wars Halcyon, mm-hmm. like their new like interactive theater experience or whatever. Yes. I don't yes. know what the appropriate word to call it was, but that that was like, man, this is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we peaked. It's over. This yeah. is it. This I don't know. <laughs> well, and that's so cool. And it's especially cool. You get to travel and do all these things because of what you're doing, but then you come home in Roanoke and you get to be here with your family yeah. yep. and friends and, and some place that you've grown up here. I mean, you're yep. from here. Your family's, you know, been in the area for a long time. Um, and I think that's really exciting that you're you're bringing it back home, you know. It is. That, I mean, in Roanoke, it's like, it is one of those things people like sometimes we'll run into people and they're like oh, we thought you guys lived in LA and we'll be like <laughs> nope we live here and um you know it's it's an awesome place especially for like YouTube or at least for us I mean obviously our family's from here right so that's really helpful and now we all have you know our spouses are from here and their parents are from here so it's like you know we're not traveling all around holidays and stuff like it's just big big family going on now I'm jealous of no yeah. travel for that too for you <laughs> yes guys. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Great. so that's a lot of nice uh stuff but then like even just you know like the cost of living in Roanoke is really nice for like content creation because it's like your a lot of your income is just coming in through like you know uh, like brand deals or AdSense or something and it's like Google or like the AdSense isn't taking into account like the cost of living wherever you are. Right, it's not all like, your money oh. isn't going to rent. Right, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yes, yeah, yes. and it's like yeah, it's not like oh oh this person's address is in New York. Let's bump up their AdSense a little. <laughs> and it's like no, they don't care. So it's like. Um, the fact that, you know, we are, we live in an area where the cost of living is much more affordable. is like really nice too. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Well, and bringing it to a, to a local level. So again, we mentioned that you guys were in our class of 2023, our 40 under 40, um, which we're really proud to showcase just young professionals in the region doing amazing things. And so being from the area and, you know, having seen a couple of those go around, I'm so excited to have you guys be part of that, that class this year and was sort of curious what it means to you to have, uh, I will say a couple of nominations on your behalves to, to make sure that you were part of that class. Yeah, I mean, it was it was really exciting for us, honestly. Like we said, like you know, we we grew up in the area, and like our dad, um, being like a local newscaster in the area, who's like very involved with a lot of like local organizations, and and he kind of has his hands in everything. It's like I think as kids, you know, we we always kind of joked and said like you know when when we had dinner with our dad at the dinner table, it usually meant that like he was on the five o'clock news <laughs> on the TV in the room with us during taco night, um, and so like for us, like with the Roanoke Magazine. It's something like where we've seen him sort of achieve like a lot of accolades and it's kind of been this like very aspirational thing for us as we grew up, like knowing that living here, being here is like a big part of like who we are. So it's like, it, you know, the Roanoke feels like like this iconic piece of what it means to to live in this area. So to to be included on that list for us was was huge. We were really, really excited about it. It was like I mean, we had like a celebration in the office. When yeah, we got like, that no email. You know, it's like trying to play it cool. But we were so, so excited. It oh, was well, really thank fun. you. And Absolutely. not to toot our horn on that. But gosh, we I really appreciate that. That's really kind of you to say. So well, thank we, you. Have, we have like a tiny obsession with like the ways in which you can be recognized by things locally. <laughs> like you'd think like for like you you mentioned like yeah, we have like an international audience and like we have like one of the running jokes on our podcast is that our uh, local high school, Cave Spring High School, where we went there, if you look at their Wikipedia page, they have like notable alumni listed. Oh my gosh, are you on yeah. it? Please no, we're not. We're not. What? You on hear that it. cave spring? So this is exactly. So this is like this is like one of those things. Like one of these days, one of these okay. days. Once you're on that Wikipedia page, then you've peaked. Exactly. <laughs> that will exactly. Be it. That's that will really be it. it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That will be it. Oh man. Uh, so actually, let's jump into talking about one of your other businesses, Carlin Brothers Coffee, um, because we had mentioned that in your forty under forty, because it's doing so many good things for our local community. We're talking about you know twenty thousand dollars being donated last. Last year between this and the Super Carlin Brothers and the efforts that are going into that, the Freya Foundation that you guys are helping. And yep. so I wondered if you wanted to just let listeners know a little bit about, you know, your coffee and the line and everything that's going into that. Yeah. I mean, the the coffee company, again, was like one of those situations where it was um, kind of like the right place at the right time. And we we were like so jazzed that it could happen because I had, when we had first started the YouTube channel, you know, like we're of course like sitting in our, you know, our living room of our house and everything. And we're just drinking so much coffee as we're trying to like. I had to assume it came from a love of coffee oh, absolutely. being, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. This isn't just for fun now. We're serious about this. Right, right. <laughs> so, you know, this is, it's like our rocket fuel. It's it's like, you know, how you how you like stay on the edge or whatever. But so like, you know, we're reaching out to, to coffee companies. We're trying to find like a sponsorship or something. And it's, 
it's it was like the type of thing we were like we were struggling to find something that was like a good fit or the right budget or, or whatever for like the ad dollars and um the talent manager that we were working with at the time his like next door neighbor in the condo he lived in in orlando happened to be this guy who owned this boutique coffee company um who also used to work for like this big multi-channel network youtube company yeah so he yeah. was like well that's kind of kismet right it oh yeah. was yeah the, the most remarkable cross-section yeah. of, of yeah. human being and so you know like we're down there we're doing some business and like we realize that we have these like overlapping interests and he's like what if we try to take because they have this like boutique coffee brand in the Orlando area and they kind of want it to be like you know the the Cuban cigars of the area like they want it to be an Orlando like, thing an Orlando thing a draw to the Orlando area but everything else that they're doing I mean it looks like walking into like this like high end cocktail bar you know like you can order a, a coffee martini like a non alcoholic coffee martini at you know, eight in the morning on well, your way to work. If you want, yeah. I know it's very and it's, it's, it comes in a martini glass. Yes, yeah. it's gorgeous. Follow it's up awesome. Here. I know. If you're in Orlando, um, it's called Foxtail Coffee. It's really good, but it is very cool. Uh, very cool experience. But so what they wanted to do was then be able to take this like boutique coffee. It's it's like craft beer, but it's craft coffee, uh, and find a way to deliver that to you know like a, a a national or international audience. And so basically, this one guy who's like the neighbor of our talent manager ends up being the person who realizes that there's this like amazing opportunity there. And so we hit it off with him and we were able to start putting together the brand, which is just Carlin Brothers Coffee. Our bag is just like jam packed with all sorts of, you know, little Easter eggs, of course, and everything. It's very, uh, it's, it was very much inspired by the movie Pixar's Coco, yeah. the Dia de los Muertos vibes. That's and my husband's favorite one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, man. That's, that's, awesome. that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, we had so much fun putting everything together. We were so excited to like curate like what our coffee blend was going to taste like. But then, you know, on top of everything else, we wanted to be sure that like to us, it was like the the real gold uh, was that we got to we got to have it. You know, it was like, you know, we, we weren't looking at it necessarily from this like super investment-y type of perspective. Like it, it wasn't necessarily something that we needed to go and like dig into and have be, you know, like a like a big generator of revenue, you know, or, or anything like that. But we wanted to make sure that it was also giving back along the way. And so, you know, through that process, it was a really excellent way for us to incorporate um, basically just dollars from every purchase made to different foundations. And we're actually in the process right now of uh, communicating with shifting the foundation that we're working with most directly uh, to uh, feeding Southwest Virginia. So Fabulous. yeah, so we're, we're wonderful I, organization. They, yes. they could definitely use your love, I'm sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. 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 So um, it's it's been it's been cool. And every piece of merchandise that we create, we try to do the same thing with. Which yeah, is that, go like, get your merch. I, I can't yeah, wait right? to. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Everything. Everything tries to funnel back somehow, give back somehow. <laughs> that's awesome. And that's so great. And and you had mentioned, you know, your dad participating in a lot of things. And I know that, you know, your mom has as well. I, I yep. know of her, of her, of her through people with the SBCA. And yes. so obviously, Obviously, nonprofits and giving back to the community has been something instilled in you probably since birth. I mean, oh, absolutely. <laughs> since birth. I mean, growing up, it was like every weekend we were at some other 5K or some charity event that our dad was emceeing or involved <laughs> sure. in. And it was like, OK, I guess this is what we're doing now. <laughs> yes, that's yes. your Saturday, man. <laughs> that's yeah, right. Saturday, that's yeah. right. <laughs> y- YMCA, St. Francis. Yeah. Uh, just I mean, just a little bit of everything. Yeah. So we've we've gotten to pop around, gotten to see it, you know, firsthand. And I think our parents both were great mentors in that way. Like, you know, we got to see them prioritizing it in a way that was very organic and authentic. Super role models. Yes. Yeah, Indeed. perfect. So uh, before we ep- launch into our next uh, bonus episode, wanted to talk about your favorite things to do in Roanoke. And I know this is tough because there are so many. Um, and especially I think it's cool to note because with family, uh, you know, what can you do around the area with family? It's not just you and your spouse or whatever, but your kids or your mom and your dad, like anything that's sort of family friendly too. Oh, man. Well, I'll tell you the thing we did. We just did this a couple weekends ago and it probably is my favorite thing to do. But me and Ben and our dad went out to a uh, Carvin's Cove mm-hmm. and we were just like hitting the trails on uh, mountain bikes. Yeah, because I see I, your dad's got the, the biking on Instagram. I oh my gosh. Oh, yes. has so yeah. many things. He's got he's got like a, a YouTube channel called like what Bikes for Boomers. Yep. Uh, he's got what is I think he's got like a Sark Rider or something. Yeah, for the, the Sark Rideosis. Yeah, which yeah. is a very, very, very niche one. He's got like a, a, a John Carlin's Virginia biking blog in there. He's got a lot of Does things in the air. Not to make no. it about him, but. Oh, I know. I know. Yeah, it's <laughs> It's one. Of, I mean, it's unreal. Like, you know, I'll, I'll I'll call him, you know, like on a Sunday morning. He's like, yeah, I'm just editing a podcast. I'm like, Dad, just sit on the back porch and drink coffee. Right. Yeah. It's fine. He'll never retire. I know. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, he yeah. won't. Yeah. That's true. 
But that's, uh, I mean, that's also another thing. Like his dad is the exact same way. I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Just just one gen to the next. Well, I think you're seeing yeah. your future then. So. I know. I know. Maybe just a little. I know. A well, Ben has asked me before. He's like, what, what would you do if like we were tired? And I'd be like, wow, I'd feel like I could finally sit down and finally make some videos. You know? <laughs> I, 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 yeah. Do exactly like, what we're doing. I could stop working. I could really work on some videos, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but to bring it back to your question, the other big thing that we love to do in the area is eat. Um, I feel like I, I don't know whether or not if, if you can even say Roanoke is underrated in this department but like i think the food scene here is just fantastic i mean there are so many like amazing farm to table restaurants that you can go to i mean we love local roots river and rail like you know we we try to pop around as much as we possibly can and just go and like take in as much of the food as we can uh and and i really i mean i super enjoy that and of course then have the beer scene in the beer scene is awesome yeah that's kind of fun to watch like explode yes yeah and so many other breweries have done a really great job of even making those reasonably family friendly where you can go and sort of like have a fire pit and hang out outside and you know yeah get some some fresh air and all the rest so uh yeah we we try to try to go and explore roanoke as as much as we can yeah are you guys out i mean you mentioned carvin's cove so you're obviously a little outdoorsy if not a lot oh yeah Yeah. yes yeah yeah we (laughs) are sure uh, mountain biking was, was probably another one of the ones that we were sort of brought up on. We were also both, you know, cross country runners in high school for Cape Spring. Yep. So done the drumstick dash every year on Thanksgiving. We're really working on that Wikipedia page for you guys. I exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Actually speaking, if we want to bring it all the way full circle, um, for, uh, speaking of like biking and stuff and the coffee, we just launched our, um, brand new Carlin Brothers bike blend. Yeah. The Nimbus coffee. bike blend. The Nimbus bike blend. Love it. Yeah, yeah. Which is really cool. So what that one does is a hundred percent of the proceeds of that actually going towards building trails at Carbon's Cove That's or killer. maintaining them That's or whatever. That's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, I, there's so much that you guys are doing and so much going on and I can't wait to talk about it in our bonus episode. Absolutely. Uh, so for the meantime, thank you so much to Ben and Jay, the Super Carlin Brothers, for being on From Print to Podcast and for all they're doing to highlight our amazing region and give back to the community through their businesses and company efforts. Be sure to stay tuned for that special bonus episode as we dig even deeper into the great things they're doing to give back to the community. Anything else you guys want to add? Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Anytime, all the time. Anytime you want. Uh, We'll be sticking around, so please stay tuned. Um, The bonus episode will be available in coming weeks, and you'll learn more about their legacy, future goals, favorite content topics, and more. Be sure to follow the Super Carlin Brothers on social media at their YouTube page, the Super Carlin Brothers, and see their 40 under 40 class of 2023 inclusions in our JanFeb issue on newsstands now or at theroanoker.com. Thanks so much. This has been our second episode of the Roanoker Presents from Print to Podcast, hosted by your dearly devoted editor, Liz Long. Thanks so much to our sponsor, Hal Cohn Realty, and of course to our friends Mason Adams, Hal and Chris Cohn, and the Super Carlin Brothers. Stay tuned for our next episode, where we'll learn more about the March-April issue, including leading ladies, women in wealth, and more. Be sure to get our latest issue on newsstands now, or read even more at theroanoker.com. Thanks again for listening, and have a great day.